Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Britain feels broken, but how do we fix it? Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers, but we have found some people who do. Join me, journalist Becca Hudson, and me, the former MP Ed Vasey for How Hard Fix. From the price of a pint to the housing crisis, this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation and hear practical solutions from those in the know. Catch new episodes of Howard Fix wherever you get your podcasts. Rebuilding Britain starts here. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We have made it successfully to the end of another week and we have learned a great many things. Let's count them, shall we? Number 1, if you have enough money, you can hire as many lawyers as you like to make out that something you don't like can't actually happen. Number 2, no matter how bad of a job you've done running the country, you can always be welcomed back with open arms and blame everyone else as long as you write a book about it. Number 3, you can be the leader of the opposition and have absolutely no discernible view on the biggest political decision of a generation as long as you keep claiming to be giving that decision back to the people. Number 4, you can convince the country that none of their votes count providing that you are from the party of remain preparing for government. 5, you can take the day off school because some climate change fanatic has told you the world is going to end in 11 years. We're all going to be burning up in some horrible nasty cloud of pollution. Coming up this morning, we'll be exploring the climate change phenomenon. We thought they'd all gone a bit quiet in Extinction Rebellion since they were outdone by St Greta Thunderbird last month uh, with her carbon neutral 4 million pound boat trip, but it turns out they're back and they're still bloody annoying. 03444991000. Coming up, we'll also be looking ahead to Labour Party conference in Brighton this weekend. We'll talk to Matt Chorley from the Times on interviewing David Cameron and because it's Friday, it's time for another sparkling edition of the Perrier Awards and homage to my brilliance in broadcasting. Uh, also Dr. Hillary Jones is going to be popping by as well. Uh, he's got some news for us. 03444991000. You're listening to me Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, I don't know how you decided to travel to work today. You may have decided to go by bicycle, you may have gone by bus, you may have gone by train, you may have gone by boat, you may have gone by car, you may have indeed gone by motorcycle. What you will probably have seen at some point uh, is some collection of climate change fanatics telling us that if we don't do anything and we don't do it soon, uh, we will all die a horrible death uh, as if the Amazon was burning around us at, as we actually speak. Let's talk to Brendan O'Neill, uh, who's the editor of Spikes Online, a man who uh, I'm sure is making his own sacrifice today to save the planet. Brendan, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Hi, how's it going? Yeah, very well indeed. Now, are you making some kind of sacrifice to save the planet today because you do know, don't you, that in 11 years uh, we are going to be no more? Well, that's what they say. I mean, what a load of rubbish. Well, quite. It really has <laughs> it has become this kind of um 
fundamentalist cult. You know, they're traipsing through the streets, talking about the end of the world, uh, telling all, us all how sinful we have been and the fact that we are going to be condemned with hellfire, or as they refer to it now, global warming. Yes. I mean, it really does echo the kind of backward millenarian cult movements of the past. And of course, they now have their messiah in the figure of um, Saint Greta, yes. who has come to save us all from doom and save us from our own sinful behaviour. I think they're all completely bonkers. The trouble is, though, all the politicians that I see uh, are trying to kind of cosy up to these characters because they think, in my view, completely wrongly, that they are the future, that these people will suddenly vote Labour if Labour goes all green on them, uh, and they will suddenly vote Conservative, like Theresa May thought, uh, because she's going to promise to be carbon neutral by 2030. I mean, it's, it's kind of the, it's the, the creeping cult is creeping into the corridors of power. It, absolutely. And the thing is, that the thing about these kids, they think they're being rebellious, but they're not at all. They, no. they're, conform, they're conforming to what adult society has been telling them for the past 10 or 20 years. And in fact, these kids have been indoctrinated. They've been indoctrinated by their teachers and by politicians with this kind of end of the world ideology. And they're out on the streets just repeating that back to adults. And the adults are giving them a big round of applause. The whole thing is, is really weird and embarrassing. But I think these kids are not the future. There are so many other, I mean, they are mainly just kind of well-off middle-class kids bunking off school and calling it um, a climate change uh, activism. Yeah. There are loads and loads of other kids around the country who don't share their kind of end-of-world fears. And I think they're the people we should be looking to rather than these kind of middle-class miserablists who are taken to the streets today. Yeah, well, there are slightly more uh, pressing matters to be taken care of, aren't there? Like, for example, the creeping... Well, we did a story yesterday about the creeping rise uh, of violent crime in this country, the creeping rise of cocaine use, the creeping rise of sort of, you know, county lines gangs. Never mind 100,000 kids in Melbourne marching to save the planet. You know, we've got some really, really big problems socially in this country, uh, which nobody's paying any attention to. Too. We've got huge problems, and, and the thing about the climate change movement, this kind of end-of-world nonsense, is that it really is a way for people to distract attention from what I would consider to be more pressing problems, yeah. like crime, like unemployment, um, like Brexit, which I think is a very important thing that we push through and, and act on the democratic vote. But there is a whole swathe of society, they tend to be the more privileged sections of society, who don't want to talk about any of that, who certainly don't want to talk about Brexit unless they can kill it off. And so they try and distract attention by, by creating this politics of fear and this narrative of fear which says to us all, if you don't change your behaviour, if you don't recycle every day, if you don't stop driving around in your big cars, we're all going to die in 11 years' time. Yeah. It's just... It's it's a completely nonsensical... Also, thing. can you explain to me, Brendan, when it was that the kind of lunatics took over the asylum, we decided, or parents decided, I'm looking at my screens around the, the studio here, um, and the BBC have got some kid on called Ping Ping, who's nine years old, talking about how upset she is that we're not doing enough to save the planet. You know, when did we start listening to nine-year-olds about policy and about government sort of direction? When did that happen? Yeah, that's the weirdest thing about all of this. This the way in which adults are bowing and scraping at the feet of these children, and yeah. they are these kind of saviors come to uh, enlighten us all about the best way to live. I actually find some of these climate change kids a bit creepy. Yeah. I mean, they you know they are these kind of wide eyes. Like, do you remember that movie Children yeah. of the Corn? That Stephen <laughs> yeah, King exactly. one. I mean, you know, but they're all kind of staring at people as you walk past. You know. It's very children of the corn. It's very wide-eyed. And um, a lot of them suffer from this new mental illness, which is called eco-anxiety. Yes. They're all 
absolutely terrified. They're all petrified about the future. And they're traipsing through the streets preaching at adults and telling us how sinful we are. It really does feel like a, a, a childish cult. Yeah. And I think someone needs to say to these kids, shut the hell up, get yeah. back into school, get back do to your school. maths and English homework. And when you get home, you know, do the bleeding dishes as well while you're at it and cut the lawn and do the hedges and, you know, start behaving like children. Be seen and not heard. And I don't uh, <laughs> apologise for that. You know, it doesn't make me some kind of Victorian father. I've raised four kids, right? Two of them are still teenagers, and not one of them uh, is a climate change protester. Yeah, it's exactly right. And I don't know anyone whose kids have turned into climate change protesters. It is a certain section of society. And I, I really do think we need to get a handle on these kids and tell them to go back to school. I think the most tragic thing, I mean, we used to, everyone used to bunk off school in the past, but at least you did it to have a day of fun. Yeah, exactly. Or to, you know, chill out and smoke a cigarette behind the bike sheds or yeah. whatever we did. You didn't do it with, for this worthy cause of telling mankind that he's doomed to destruction if he doesn't change his behavior. So I think it's ruining the kids' lives because they are being pumped with this politics of fear by irresponsible adults, by irresponsible teachers. It's creating this new, fearful, and self-righteous generation who think that they have the answers to all the problems in the world, and they don't have any answers at all. I mean, I think to be a bit philosophical about all of this, is there something missing in our world which makes people want to sort of join hands in some way and feel as if they're part of something? You know, have we somehow given up on individualism? Have we, you know, because I don't know whether we've lost religion, therefore we've got to find a new religion. You know, I'm, I'm wondering how this has happened, because the parents are to blame, for sure. I think there is a, a large element of this is, is re religion replacement. And so the disappearance of the old religions has disorientated many sections of society. Yeah. That's absolutely true. And environmentalism feels to me like a new fundamentalist religion. It really does feel like that. And I think the adults are to blame. They are the ones who are telling kids that the end of the world is nigh. They're the ones who are telling kids that their house is on fire. Mm. Which then, of course, Greta Thunberg repeats. And, you know, if you look at someone like Greta, you know, this is a very troubled young girl. As, as her mother has, uh, has written about in great detail, Greta has a number of mental problems and mm. mental illnesses. Yeah. And yet we are pushing forward children like her to the forefront of this apocalyptic Armageddon-like movement and telling them that the house is on fire and everyone must panic. This is a very unhealthy culture to foist on children. It really is. And you'd have to wonder how it's going to end, because I don't think in her particular case it's going to end very well. Um, she's going to probably have to be removed from the public eye at some point because it's all going to become too much for her. But I do worry about the types of behaviour it's all encouraging with politicians. I mean, Sadiq Khan, I think later on, uh, either this month, <coughs> excuse me, this month or next month, is going to have a car-free day in London, which basically means you can't drive a car into London. You won't be able to get around in a car. You know, it's nonsensical. Yeah, what, what I think we're seeing is the rise of kind of eco-elitism, where you have these politicians issuing these diktats about how people should be behaving and even banning us from doing certain things. I think someone like Sadiq Khan doesn't understand the way in which most ordinary people live, the no. fact that we need to drive to get around. You know, they refer to car journeys as wasteful. They refer to flying as wasteful. They refer to the consumption of meat as a bad idea. But these are all things that bring pleasure to people's lives or which are an essential part of people's lives and you have these kind of crazy people in movements like extinction rebellion which want to raise taxes on flying so that it becomes expensive well they basically, they basically say they don't they, they've said haven't they that they don't want you to fly except for in an emergency yeah or unless That's you're right. you're prince harry and Meghan markle of course 
that's absolutely right. You, you know, they, they want the, they want a situation where people can only fly once a year, and right. if they fly after that, they have to pay an extraordinary amount. But what about, you know, Britain's Indian community or Irish community, and suddenly there's a funeral, or suddenly someone's ill, and they have to fly abroad? I mean, these kind of um, onerous environmental measures would have a seriously detrimental impact on people's lives, and the, the eco elitists don't seem to care. No. They don't think about how ordinary people live, and they don't think about what ordinary people want. They only think about reining everything in, banning things they don't like, and making life miserable. And of course, the other great phrase that they love to use, in addition with the house is on fire, is that uh, the science is irrefutable. Uh, well, actually, the science is not irrefutable, because if you actually analyse the science, the science is all very well up to a point, Lord Copper, but actually, the predictions have always been proved to be completely and utterly wrong, completely and utterly spurious and completely and utterly untrue. Every single prediction that's ever come out of the United Nations has been wrong. Yeah, that's the, that's the most striking thing about all environmentalist or, or conservationist movements over the past 200 years, really, which is that every prediction they made um, overpopulation, running out of food, the acid rain, global cooling, global warming. Yeah, the ozone layer. Proven. The ozone layer, all this stuff that we, that we were brought up on is just proven to be incorrect. And I think their misuse of science is actually really unforgivable because it, it's the way in which they use science almost as the word of God. You know, Greta Thunberg says, you must obey the science. Yeah. And, and what they do is they, they destroy science in the process because they turn it into this rigid commandment from on high that everyone has to bow down in front of. But of course, the whole point of science is that it's supposed to be open-ended, experimental, uh, it's supposed to try to understand the world, but open itself up to the possibility that it's wrong about certain things. So they're, they're really ruining science, too, by turning it into this kind of biblical edict that yes. everyone has to obey. And just the other day, I did a story uh, which I, I came upon, which is uh, that the United Nations is now offering grants to teachers in this country to teach climate change. So now there's a big, and there's a massive business behind all of this, by the way, Brendan, which I'm sure you know about. People are getting very wealthy uh, off frightening the bejesus out of people. Yeah, and, you know, it, it, schools have a lot to answer for because, you know, I, I do talks in schools quite a lot. and um, the You need to do more, I think. <laughs> it's, the climate change stuff is everywhere. Mm. I mean, the only thing kids talk about, it's on, it's, you know, there are posters on their walls and all this kind of stuff. I just, what I want to say to these people is, listen, it's actually unforgivable that in a world in which three billion human beings still live in dire poverty, you, you know, you pretty middle class, well-off people are on the streets calling for an end to economic growth. That is not the solution to the problems that humanity currently faces. We need more modernization, we need more progress, we need more economic development in order that everyone can enjoy the kind of lives we do. And I think a lot of people are pretty sick and tired of these, you know, fairly posh people taking to the streets and saying, well, everyone else can't have what we have because otherwise the planet will go up in flames. It's yeah. really hypocritical. It really is totally and utterly hypocritical. Brendan, thank you very much indeed. Brendan O'Neill, uh, editor of Spiked Online, making an awful lot of sense about something which is incredibly ridiculous.
I can't believe that if you are a parent, you have given permission for your children to take the day off school. I can't believe that the schools have given permission for those children to take the day off school. My own kids are in school today. They have not taken the day off because if they did, uh, I'd be leaving this studio straight away at one o'clock and going down and giving them a good hiding. No, of course, I'm just joking. I don't do that. That would be wrong, wouldn't it, to hit your children? That's not allowed anymore. No, absolutely not. But they're sensible enough to actually know that they quite like driving around in my Jaguar. They quite like flying to Portugal for their holidays. They quite like going to America to see their family. They are not, by any stretch of the imagination, joining the Thunderbird unit. Thanks very much indeed. We'll take your calls next on Talk Radio 0344 499 1000. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let it all hang out, but you Now, I'd love to hear from anybody out there who is uh, in the midst of an Extinction Rebellion rebellion, because there's loads of it going on today. Apparently, thousands of people around the globe are joining the global youth strike. It's just an excuse not to go to school on a Friday, isn't it? For heaven's sake. Uh, Extinction Rebellion universities and families groups join the strikes in London, holding kids' spaces, teachings and performances. When did the world go this crazy about itself? That's what I want to know. 0344 499 1000. And when did we decide to start listening to nine-year-olds about what we should be doing uh, vis-a-vis government policy? Let's go at the phones. 0344 499 1000. Ren uh, is here, first of all, from Berkshire. Hello, Ren. Hello, how are you? Very well indeed. What would you like to say? Well, the first thing I would say is I'm a physics teacher. Uh, A-level physics, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Postgraduate. I'm not teaching at the moment because teaching brought my mental health. So I'm just woken up. Had your radio on, and I've been listening to it pretty much non-stop for last week. Good. Excellent. Welcome station. to the show. However, no, absolutely. I think what you're doing is brilliant as an organisation. However, I do take issue as a teacher and a mother of both of you ragging on a nine-year-old. That nine-year-old... Which nine-year-old? Okay, you might, the nine-year-old do say, no, you know, well, you know, we've, we've, got, to, we've got to save the planet. That which nine-year-old no, well, well, no, nine are you talking about? Well, the one that you were just referring to about... You mean the one that's on TV? Do you mean the one that's on television? I, the thing is, I don't have TV. Right, well, I'm, I was looking at television and there was a nine-year-old okay, called yeah. Ping Ping being interviewed about the world and the, and the way that the world was burning up and the way that she was a scared person because her parents have obviously frightened right. the bejesus out of her. I think she should have having a go at her parents, not me. I'm not having a go at you, OK? I'm just saying... I just don't think that's acceptable language to be using. That nine-year-old might have been indoctrinated and probably has been to a certain extent. I would imagine so, yeah. That nine-year-old nine is absolutely correct. And we might, and I'm a scientist, you know, I publish papers, we might have already passed the point of no return on this planet. What are you talking so about? It, 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 what are you talking it, about, we, we might not be able to stop what is about to happen. Well, what is about to happen? A climate... Our climate might well be about to run out of control. What do you mean by that? It might well be. What do you mean? It, it might become completely uninhabitable. Uninhabitable? Well, there are certain parts of Britain that are you, already have you... uninhabitable. Have you ever been to Deptford? I wouldn't want to live there, to be honest, but it is actually hey, still possible hey, mate, to live hey, there. I came from... I came from Chorley, so yeah. I Chorley, know well, there you go. I mean, there's parts of the West Midlands I wouldn't fancy hanging about in either, but, you know, the fact is that the planet is the not going to be burning it's... up. Well, OK, right. 
burning up, that sounds a bit weird. But actually, having a hab- habitable climate, having clean water that's around our island, you know, uh-huh. um, we, you know, having fresh water, yes. having supplies coming in, yes. and all that, you know. Yes, we have all that. Burning up, yes. burn- Burning up is, is, is you know, it's, it's quite a... Well, expl- quite a right, explain to me, it? Ren, how you think that Britain would become uninhabitable in, in, well, in my lifetime. That, well, not in... Uh, we, we, you're talking in, in absolutes. The fact is well, we are Well, I, like to, I prefer to call and, them facts, actually. Well, the, the, we, actually, we are an island. If our ice caps are melting, then the sea level around our island is going to rise. That means no, there will be circumstances. No, that's not true. Okay. What's not true? That's not true. Have you never done the experiment? Have you never done the experiment of putting a, 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 a block of ice into either a basin full of water or even a, a, a small piece of ice into a glass? I don't understand your point. Can You're you... supposed to be a physics teacher. Uh, I, I am a physics. Are you sure? What's going to it? All right. So, all right. Go to the when you finish this phone call, right? Go to your fridge Sorry, if you if you have. Well, no, hang on a second. No, hang on a second. I'm going to give you. No, 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 give you, no, no. no I'm going to give you an experiment to do. You go to your fridge, right? Pour yourself a glass of water. Take an ice cube out of the freezer. Put the ice cube in the water, okay? And then stand there and watch it melt. And then tell me that the rise in water level is different when it's melted from when it's in there as ice. Do you understand about latent heat? Latent heat. Yeah, the latent heat experiment. Do you understand? You haven't answered my first, my first experiment. Well, do your experiment after we've done mine. Do you understand that if you put an ice block into a glass of ice, the, the, the level of the water doesn't change? Do you get that? Uh, yes, it, it must do. What? Oh, it so when do. the ice melts, are you saying that there's more, the, the, the water level rises? Is that what you're telling me? It if God do. help, God help you your school the, children can, if you're can, a, a can physics you let me teacher. Speak, please? Can you let me speak? Well, only if you're going to talk it sense. Oh, I'm not. I'm not agreeing with your worldview, am I? So I'm not going to. Well, go no, you're, you're a physics teacher that doesn't understand physics. It seems to me. What I'm seeing right now is that you're actually quite rude, and you're not actually letting me speak. Well, so, well I'm letting you speak. You're phase. speaking now. There's not really much point going on with this. Is my point is, and I'm not going to be deflected around that. What is it? Is that if people want, if people want to protest and say, we need to do something about our environment, then really good for them. You know, OK, you might say... That's right, your point, the, the, is it? You rang this station to you know, tell me that. You were saying that maybe kids who use this as a data bunk off school, probably, I'm from the northwest. I would have probably done the same thing as well. But if people really are wanting to protest and say, hey, we do need to be looking after this environment, we do need to be uh-huh. doing this, OK? That's a good thing. Is it? It's raising awareness, recycling, reducing what we're taking on, on this footprint on this planet. Absolutely. And believe me, I'm no, I'm no green. You know, I, I do hard physics, astronomy, astrophysics, plasma physics. Well, okay? try, the, try the glass of ice experiment, right, and let me know what you think afterwards. Because you've just told me that you think that the water level of a glass with ice in it will rise when the ice melts, which is entirely wrong and tells me that I don't think you know much about science at all. OK, the problem is, is that I also did A-level geology. We are still in our ice age because we've still, we are still in our ice age because we've still got polar ice caps. We're in the ice age they now, are we? Water- no, we're coming out of an ice age. Okay. Well, you know, Piers Corbyn. Normal- you know, Piers Corbyn. 
No, I don't know him. He what, is Corbyn, Jeremy, Jeremy Corbyn. He's Jeremy Corbyn's brother, right? Uh, he is oh, okay. a man who knows an awful lot about the environment and an awful lot about green stuff. And he says that really we, are, I, we are entering sorry. a new ice age, actually. Well, that's incorrect. We're not. We're, we're coming out of one. All right. So but I'm I supposed to believe you. I say, I, I, you, can, you can go and read the peer-reviewed journals yourself. Um, we are going in and out of ice. I can explain the ice ages that we had where we had woolly mammoths. You know, I, the, the sun is driving our climate. There's only thing that matters. The sun. the sun is driving our climate. Yeah. The sun, yeah, the sun is stable. It's four and a half billion years old. It's going to go on for another five or so billion years before okay. it turns into a red giant. We are you're just babbling so now, Ren, aren't you? You're not, you're not really giving me anything that I can hang my hat on as a fact. You're just babbling. You're just going on and 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 on. Let's talk about the peer review science. Let's talk about the sun. Let's talk about the ice age. It's all rubbish, okay? The earth is going to be here for a very long time. You're probably going to be here for a reasonably long time, as I am. And nothing is going to change. Our climate will remain the same. And all of these people protesting are simply clogging up the roads and causing a lot more pollution. Well, that's actually a really good point. Thank you. They could actually be... Yeah, no, they could be. They're causing... Um, well, what they're doing is they're bringing entropy into the system itself. I oh, can't have too much entropy, in my view. Listen, we've got to go, Ren, because I'm afraid we're late for the news. Thank you for your call. Uh, I'm none the wiser. Thank God my kid's not getting taught physics by that character. This is Talk Radio. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. <laughs> Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Gray. The Perrier Awards coming up in the next hour, of course. Lots more besides. Many more of your calls as well. 0344 499 1000. You can tweet us, of course, at Talk Radio. Joe uh, sends me a great tweet. She says, I pay for all my kids' access to Netflix too. My son recently complained. I changed the password and he was annoyed he couldn't access it. So I changed the password to bad-mannered son. And he has to type this in on a regular basis. Serves as a reminder. Very good. I like that. Very good indeed. Let's talk to Dr. Hilary Jones, a TV doctor, of course, uh, because he's got some rather good news to tell us about. Uh, Dr. Hillary, very good morning to you. And to you, Mike. How Thank are you? Thank you. Very well indeed. Thank you very much for joining us. Good. Now, uh, you've got some good news, which we're very long, long awaiting, uh, really, because uh, there's so much bad news around at the moment. It's always nice to be able to talk about something positive. Give up clothes for good. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's, uh, this is a campaign that's uh, been started by TK Maxx 15 years ago. Right. Uh, but the September always marks Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Um, and childhood cancer is something that is obviously um, something that devastates uh, people's lives. Uh, something like 4,500 children will die, well, sorry, will be diagnosed with childhood cancer every year. But we will lose uh, more than one child a day to childhood cancer. And that, mm. that, that needs to change. We are making progress. Um, but we make the progress through painstaking and sometimes quite slow research. Um, and that research is making a difference, particularly for things like blood cancer, leukemia, that yeah. sort of thing. Um, now, as I say, this, this campaign, uh, what we want people to do is to take their clothes, which they no longer need or no longer love, um, down to their local TK Maxx store, where each bundle will be worth, on average, about £30, okay. but sold in Cancer Research UK shops. Um, because there's this uh, connection between TK Maxx and, and Cancer Research UK. Now, all of that money, and over 15 years, they've raised £32.5 million. I saw that pounds. figure. That's a remarkable Amazing. amount of money, isn't it? Oh, it's incredible. And it's, so it's a really effective mm. um, and, and successful campaign, um, which is why I'm backing it. And, and 
Uh, it means that those funds go directly into research centres around the country where passionate and dedicated people are looking to find out why some children develop cancer at an early age, why some are genetically predisposed to develop cancer even when they're still in the womb, why cells behave the way they do and, and mutate and, and form cancers, and so that we can get earlier uh, diagnosis, so that we can maybe uh, prevent these things happening in the first place, why, how we can develop new drugs which are more effective or different combinations of drugs which work better than other combinations. And I see they're also funding uh, a new cancer research uh, UK sort of centre of excellence which yep. is looking specifically at, at brain tumours as well in children. That's right. One of, amongst the commonest cancers that we see in children would be solid brain tumours, uh, would be nerve tissue tumours, bone, liver, mm. uh, kidney cancers. Uh, and um, we've made great strides. As I say, I, I, when I was at school, uh, I lost uh, my best mate, uh, Tom, at the age of 14 from wow. leukaemia. And, and, you know, had he had his leukaemia today, it might have been very different because we've made such good progress in treating blood cancers. Sure. So uh, as far as the um, sorry to interrupt no, you, as far as the, um, the the clothes that they'd like you to bring, I mean presumably they they want you to bring stuff which is relatively in in good order, right? Yeah, I, I mean the, the, we all have clothes, don't we, in our in our sort of huge wardrobes that that we no longer um, love, we no longer need um, surplus to requirements. Um, you know, how many pairs of shoes do we have? How many jackets do we have that are still in good good nick? Uh, but we don't want to wear anymore. Uh, but other people would love to. Uh, apparently, it's quite trendy now to wear secondhand clothes uh, that someone else has loved before. Well, it, you know, it, it used to be. I mean, when I was when I was growing up in the sort of late seventies, it was very trendy to go to the Oxfam shop uh, and pick up the old uh, yeah. the old jacket uh, or the sort of an old an old skinny tie or something like that. Yeah, and, and nothing's changed. So it's quite possible that you could wander into your local Cancer Research UK shop and find, you know, a jacket that's been worn by somebody really famous, mm. you know, some some, uh, some pop star or author or, you know, uh, actor. Uh, but everyone's happy. Every, it's a win-win situation because uh, pe people are getting nice clothes that they think are great and trendy. Um, other people have um, got rid of stuff which might otherwise be recycled or go to landfill even worse. And we're talking about, let me see, over the last 15 years, 7,500 tonnes of unwanted items have been given a second life. And a total of one and a half million bags of clothing and household goods have uh, actually uh, avoided going to landfill. So it, environmentally, it's good. But in terms of raising funds, more importantly, for the solution to cancer in children, even better. OK. And is this ongoing as we speak? Does it start it, soon? It started already. OK. Uh, yeah. This is the month for childhood cancer awareness. And uh, it started already and it'll continue you know, throughout the year. It's just that this is, this is the nice plug we give it at this time of year to make people aware. Brilliant. So just take your bunch of clothes, put them in a plastic bag, That's take it. them down to TK Maxx. Absolutely. Lovely stuff. Dr. Hillary, uh, thank you very much indeed. Dr. Hillary Jones there talking about uh, give up clothes for good. I mean, everybody's got clothes they don't wear anymore, they don't want anymore. Uh, this is a really, really worthy cause and I think you should go and do it. Uh, it's Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, of course, as well uh, and we'll be talking some more about that, I'm sure, uh, coming up a little bit later on. Let's go back to the phones now, though. Uh, Ava uh, is with us in Taunton, wants to talk about climate change. Hello, Ava. Hello, Mike. I'm really worried about the fact we're not worrying ourselves with global cooling. And what's global cooling, exactly? Well, we are due a, a period of global cooling. If you look past, back over past history, you see the Munda minimum, the Dorton minimum, the Thames freezing over. And currently, we have plateaued on global warming, mm. and we are going into um, a global cooling um, stage because the thermosphere, which is high above, you know, on the edge of space, it's losing heat energy. 
Right. Because um, the sun is going into a quiet time. There are very few sunspots. There are solar flares, but we're not getting the warmth from the sun we usually do. Mm. Funnily um, enough, um, uh, uh, Piers Corbyn, who joins us here from time to time, who talks a lot about uh, climate change, he says we are entering a new ice age. We are. And um, if you look across America, the crops are failing in America because of frost. Uh -huh. The French were... The French actually had to put fires amongst their vineyards to warm the yes. frost from the soil. Yes. In the Netherlands, they're having trouble. Um, even Del Monte Fruit have decided they can't can in Canada anymore because it's too cold. Mm. So we, we are, I don't want to frighten anyone, but we must start preparing indoor greenhouses where we can grow our food um, on, say, vertical walls in protected areas, or we're going to be hungry. Mm. Well, it's I suppose we could put them in. We could put them in green, big greenhouses, couldn't we? We need them to be very strong against winds. Yes. And we need them to be frostproof. And we need to learn how to grow um, vertically, um, using very little water. Um, we can do all this if we start now. Okay. But if we're distracted by Greta Thunderbird, yeah. <laughs> um, and all the kids are so worried about the warming, they're missing the They're missing picture. the point. Well, that's a very good point you've made, Ava. Thank you very oh, much indeed you. for bringing it to our attention. Ava's more concerned about things getting colder rather than things getting hotter. It would not come as any great surprise to you uh, that the climate change fanatics have got it completely and utterly round their ears and got it completely wrong. They're all banging on about the climate science is uh, undeniable. Well, actually, it is, under, it is completely and utterly deniable, uh, which does not make you a climate change denier. It just makes you somebody who's a bit sceptical about all of these people who are making an awful lot of money out of people like Greta Thunderbird, who's written various books. We've got an entire movement of people who are getting paid loads and loads of money to tell us what we should be doing and how we should be doing it. It's absolutely ridiculous. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 
Now, we've all had these terrible moments, have we not, when suddenly some advert pops up uh, on your Google search about something that you might have just been talking about. Now, whether it's because your microphones are on uh, on your phone or whether your microphones are on your iPad or whether somehow something that you've said or sent to somebody in a message on WhatsApp or on Facebook or on Instagram um, has suddenly been spotted by some bot or other, and they're now sending you an ad uh, as if they know that that's exactly what you want to buy. But it turns out now that while you're watching television, your smart TV is basically watching you. Let's talk to Jasper Hammer, tech and science reporter at Metro, uh, to find out about this insidious, latest insidious encroachment into our privacy. Jasper, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you. Does this come as any great surprise, or should it come as any great surprise to us? Um, I'm afraid to me it doesn't, no. Um, I've always suspected that we don't really know the extent to which our data is being gathered. Um, and I think anything with an internet connection um, is likely to be gathering some sort of information mm. on you. I mean, this could be innocuous, you know. It, it doesn't necessarily mean it's spying on your intimate secrets. It could be what you watch on Netflix. Yes. That Netflix well, you would assume, I mean, you would assume that Netflix would keep a record of what you're watching on Netflix, wouldn't you? Yes, I, I think it does. But I think when it becomes dodgy, is this new study revealed that we don't know what data is being collected because it's encrypted. Um, and it goes off to several companies, including Microsoft, Google and Amazon. But we mm. don't know if it's them collecting it because they run the cloud services that, that kind of organize. So we actually don't know where this data is going. and We don't know why it's being collected and what's being collected. So I think that's I, I think that should set alarm bells. And yeah. we, we don't we don't want to live in an era where you can't speak about something in front of your telly because you're worried worried about Big Brother hearing what you're saying. I think that's a deeply sinister kind of scenario. I think it probably is, but is it more likely though to be something more commercial than that, if you like? You know, like 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 data is, is obviously money to an awful lot of businesses. And so the more data they collect on you as an individual, the more money that's worth. And then they can sell it on to sort of third parties. Yes, I think primarily that's most of the data is going to be collected to build a kind of a, a picture of your, uh, I guess, commercial habit. Yeah. Um, but we have seen WikiLeaks, there was a kind of revelation a few years ago that the CIA were looking to hack smart televisions. And in fact, they'd invented a, an exploit that could work, which, which is the name for sort of a virus that sits mm. in the background, um, that can sit in the background of a smart television and record audio. Um, now, they're not going to be able to use that on, in, on everyone. I mean, what's the point? Um, but the thought that they could use that on anyone, I think, is is a bit scary. Mm. Um, although I guess they could use it to, to crack terrorist cases and, and get evidence on people that we we don't really we're not. Well, really that's so what they'll tell us. That's that's what they'll tell us, no doubt. But interestingly, <laughs> uh, looking at the piece in the Times today, TV manufacturers are legally permitted to monitor customers who have given consent, which is often asked for during the setup process. The setup process, of course, being the thing you just keep clicking OK on until you can find something to watch. Yeah, these are the terms and conditions. Yes. Who reads these things? Well, They're no one does. Well, because they, they make them deliberately kind of dense, don't they? They make them like pages and pages long, so you're never going to bother. Yeah, and they're often updated without your knowledge. Yeah. Um, and you just go, oh, I just want to watch the telly. You know, EastEnders is on. I'm just going to click yes, 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 yes. And, and we all do that. And, and uh, who can blame us? Because we, we have a sort of misplaced trust in these companies. We assume they can't be that yeah. sinister. But we don't. We, we need to read these things, but, but no one does. So, yeah, we have given them permission, and more fool us. Well, I must say, whenever I speak to anyone who's ever worked at any of these places like Facebook or Google, I mean, some of the stuff that they're doing is quite sort of science fictiony, isn't it? Yeah, it really is, particularly Facebook. They have a sort of secret research division that's working on, on mind-reading technology. Mm. Um, and that sounds science wow. fiction, but they reckon they're going to have it at 100 words a minute. Um, so you put a kind of... And, and so is so Elon Musk. Elon Musk is working on similar technology. 
Um, and if that's the stuff they've announced, I mean, goodness knows what they're actually working well, on. Exactly. Some of the patents you read are, are chilling, I have to say. For instance, I, I wrote a, last year, I think it was, about a Facebook patent where it can beam out invisible sound. I mean, it says it's not doing this, but, but it can. Mm. It can beam out invisible sound in television adverts, which can then order your phone to switch on and start recording what they call ambient sound. Really? Um, which is a sound around it. Now, uh, what that's used for is to work out where you are in relation to the adverts. So are you sitting watching it? Are you mm. paying attention? Or have you got the telly on in the background whilst you're you know, making your dinner? Um, so they can actually work out what you're doing in your house um using these kind of um uh, using this patented technology in ways that you can't you're not even aware of yes exactly right and of course interestingly enough one of the things that they say uh, information that it can gather as a smart tv uh, is basically your location and i've had interesting um i always get an alert if somebody signs into my netflix account um if they're somewhere other than you know where the where it's based and quite often the the um the location is way off you know, like it's nowhere near where the person actually is. Yeah, I, I think that that is actually a, a great fear, that if, if people can work out, if hackers can work out whether you're in your house or you're out of their yeah. house, then, of course, they can burgle you quite easily. Uh, and, and the companies tell us that their systems are unhackable, but, of course, no system is unhackable. And if I guess they know, they know for sure at least you've got a smart TV worth nicking. <laughs> yeah, you've got. A, but I, they're very cheap smart TVs. They're, they're suspiciously cheap. Yeah. Um, there has been some sort of gossip on the, on the internet, and obviously I can't I can't confirm this, but they're they're cheap because of the data they gather is valuable. So really? Actually they're, they're sort of subsidised because the data is so valuable that they gather on. Well, it's true. Users. I mean, but it's just got cheap, hasn't it? I remember buying my first flat screen TV uh, back in about I think it was around about two thousand and five, maybe. 2006, around that time, and I think I paid something like nearly a thousand quid for a 32-inch screen, uh, which had a great big border around it. You know, it looks really ridiculous now. Yeah. Um, and you get the same one now for about 150 quid. I know they're outrageously cheap, yeah. um, and they have to be subsidised. There's often technology subsidised. At the start, the East Germany used to uh, sell subsidised technology that was kind of uh, involved in surveillance as well. It's yeah. Not enough. Not, not that I'm blaming the CIA or the GHQ for cheap tellies, but it's the, <laughs> it's the sort of creepy corporate spies, I guess, that we're thinking of these yeah. days. I mean, this, this story is basically saying that it doesn't matter even if you switch the television off, because at least with Alexa, uh, people will generally say, well, if you switch it off or you unplug it, basically it can't do anything. According to this piece in The Times, uh, if you unplug the TV, it's still, it's still recording you, or it's still able to. Yes, gosh, that is concerning. Um, I, I, I wonder how that would work. Uh, I mean, I guess the, the threat is that most people don't actually really turn off their tellies, do they? Just no. Put it on standby. Well, it's mostly on standby, yeah. Um, and so it's probably always listening. I actually couldn't... I had an Alexa when it came out, and I had to get rid of it. It scared my child. Really? This disembodied voice would boom out over the... Over the airway, my, my son would curl into a little ball, sort of fetal. And I thought, I can't have this in my house. Wow. Um, and, and since then, I think if anything tells you it's smart, the smartest thing to do is not to buy it. Yes, absolutely um, right. But, I mean, we are going to end up getting smarter and smarter devices, really, aren't we? We're going to have smart houses, we're going to have smart kitchens, smart fridges, all that. Yeah, yeah. I, quest I question how much this is going to improve our life. I, I read an, an analysis of the kind of progress of technology in, in recent times. And actually, we might think we're living in this golden age of innovation. But in fact, in terms of stuff that actually changes our lives for the better, that's not the case. You know, we th you think of developments like the sewers of London right. or vaccines, stuff that really saved lives. And, and all we're getting is, you know, a light bulb that can be switched <laughs> on from afar. Well, exactly. I mean, I've often, yeah, and you don't really need your fridge to tell you that you're running out of eggs, do you? 
No, I don't think so. Um, and I mean, by sending I, you I a text message. Yeah, well, the food, the food, uh, automatic, uh, I guess the ultimate goal is that the food would just arrive in your house. And I know Amazon have been working on smart locks that they can unlock. Um, their delivery men can, and can just go into your house, put the food in and, and disappear. So actually, I mean, that kind of sounds sinister, but I bet a lot of people would go for it. If you could just have Amazon come in and deliver your food and not even think about it, that, mm. that, that would be brilliant. And I think a lot of people would probably give up their privacy for that service. Yeah, they might do, but it's but it's all, as you say, I mean, it's not really necessary, is it? I mean, yes, I know we were all promised that we'd have a lot more leisure time in the future, um, but mostly uh, people spend most of their leisure time now just staring into another device. Yeah, or sending emails yeah. from, their, from their work. Right. Yeah, they do. I don't think we've got any more leisure time, probably less leisure time. I, I think that the, I, I think basically we should be slightly cynical of all these new technological developments because just because it's new doesn't mean it's correct or it's right or, or even it's good for us. Right. You know, you, you think about an iPad, which is a very addictive device. Mm. We, we look at it, we're, they're actually very totally pointless in my opinion. You know, if you have a computer, why would you need an iPad? I actually, I'm a big fan of iPads. Actually, I got the one when they first came out, and, and I've, I've had about three ever since, and I, I, I love them. I mean, I, I, oh. it's probably the thing I use the most actually. Oh, okay. Well, I bow, I bow to your iPad, love. Um, I've, I've had a few iPads over the years, and I have to say, I just found them a bit of a waste of time. Yeah, um, they're great on planes, for example. Yes, um, but I, I have a big smartphone that kind of does the same thing, and uh, I find I can't type. Really. I mean, all I really do on a computer is type and make music. Yeah. So I guess I suppose I, I'm, I'm quite a luddite for a technology reporter. I'm a bit of a Jack, <laughs> Jack the Lud. Sure, you want to actually? Uh, yeah, you sure you want to admit to this? How about this from Will, who's text, uh, tweeted us and said, "I might. I actually read the T's and C's for WeChat, which is based in China, and actually beyond the normal Apple speak, there is a part that says WeChat that WeChat has to comply with laws in China." So I said no and decided not to have the app. I think that's very wise um, because we, we know about the social credit system in, in China and this is where everything you do is recorded on a kind of a database which, which other people around you can access. So if you're naughty in some way or you seem to be naughty, um, you're not allowed to get trains or you're not allowed to get credit. Um, and, and I think that's the sort of thing we should object to. Um, and if we are obeying rules in China, I think that's quite sinister. It's not just, it's not just WeChat. Um, there's been several incidents on Twitter um, where people have been, uh, have been warned that their tweets are actually blasphemous in certain countries. Wow. Um, and to stop tweeting um, because you've blasphemed in a certain country, which is ludicrous. You know, we got blasphemy off the law, uh, off the statute books a long time ago. Yeah. Quite right. Um, but we're still subject to these countries' laws, which I think is balmy. And I guess that's something you need to worry about, certainly when you're in those countries as well, right? Because it's one thing if you're not in the country, there's nothing much they can do. But suddenly, if you are in one of these countries which, where they have very strict laws on stuff, you've got to be really careful. Absolutely. We saw that the other week with the, the couple who tore the world. This is quite, quite, quite common. People tore the world to show that it's, uh, there's a stigma about countries. They yeah. went to Iran saying there's a terrible stigma about Iran. You know, it's a lovely country. And then country. they got arrested. for drone. Yeah, for flying a drone. Well, I mean, it's a pretty stupid thing to do, to be honest, isn't it? I mean, if you're going to go through Iran, you really don't want to put a drone up anywhere near any kind of official building. Oh, quite right, I have to say. I did think that was a bit of Darwin's, Darwin's law in action there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, listen, fascinating stuff. I don't suppose we're going to give up on our smart TVs. I'm not suppo I don't suppose you would stop uh, the idea of wanting to have one. Um, but, you know, like some people have gone back to now the old-fashioned old mobile phones, which only make phone calls. 
because they don't want the uh, the device to be hacked. Maybe you end up going back to the same old boxy television. Do you remember the thing that where the the back end of it was bigger than the front end, uh, and it was like a massive great box. It was really heavy, and you need about four people to, to take it out of the house when it finally broke down. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It is, of course, 12.33. It is talk radio. It is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. And it is now time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. It's a little dance you're doing there. Yeah. The little Perrier dance. Yeah, yeah. I see. A new addition this yeah. week. I think it needs a bit of work. Uh. <laughs> it is strictly weekend, though. It is, yes. So there you have it. Con Mendez is here. Very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. Welcome. Thank you. How are you? Show. Very well indeed. Thank Great. you for I asking. I knew this already. We've been here all morning. Yes. Should we begin? Yes, why not? Well, yeah, welcome once more to the Perry Awards. This is where we go back over the past week of the so-called so Independent true. Republic of Mike Graham and choose our favourite moments. For those who haven't heard this before, it involves me reading from a document that's quite often misreading things, sometimes even having the wrong piece of paper. Yes. Consider me... Talk Radio's Lord Panic. Thank you. Uh, loads to get through today, so let's get started. Yeah. As is tradition, the first perrier goes to you, Mike. Brilliant. Let's start with your link of the week. Did he lie? Or was it just misleading? Or was she just being nice? Let's talk to Steve. He wants to talk about the Lib Dems. Uh, speaking of lying, hello, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's a perfectly reasonable suggestion there. Absolutely, yeah. I agree. Uh, Northwest Leicestershire MP Andrew Bridget yeah. is renowned for being an upbeat, bubbly, chuckling character. Uh, is he? So it's no su- no, of course not. Uh, it's no surprise that he's won the laugh of the week. Uh, you'll enjoy this because it's my favourite kind of irony of the week, and it was David Lammy who actually tweeted this. Uh, to a, a Tory MP. You lost, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Go and find it. You won't you, you won't have you'll be laughing all day. <laughs> he liked that one, didn't he? He did like that one. Yeah. I've never heard him laugh like that before. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I didn't know he could smile. Um Mike in York wins the perrier for question of the week. Will my continental quilt stop working on the first of November? <laughs> Yeah, it's a good question. Yes, very good. Well done. Thanks I'm surprised he's even got a continental quilt. I don't said, know what that is. I'll, well, I will said, be it's true. what they used to call a duvet. Ah, I see. When they first came in, they thought, we can't call it a duvet, no one will know what that is. So they call it a continental quilt. Mm, in as a... in things from the continent. Oh, I see. Is that where they're from? That's what Europe is, yeah. It's the <laughs> continent. Uh, yeah, no, but the duvets come from there. They do. Oh, very well. They're continental. Oh, very good. Uh, mm, like a breakfast. Uh, now we've had... No. Uh, you always think about food, don't you? <laughs> yes. Uh, now we've had plenty of fun this week with Talk Radio's army of roaming reporters. Yes. Let's go to Alex Dibble, who wins Researcher of the Week. I've been speaking to MPs here about that, and I caught up with one, a man called Jamie Stone. Um, he's the MP um, up in... Uh, Scottish Liberal Democrat MP. Ah, yeah. Where's that? Up in, just uh, up in Scotland. Up in Scotland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's the uh, MP yeah. for Scotland. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a classic now. It's Impression of the Week. Mimic Mike Graham, you win this yet again Excellent. for your uncanny take, this time, of the PM of Luxembourg. When the Luxembourg Prime Minister, whose name I can't remember, decided that he couldn't move the press conference inside and then gave a rather petulant performance outside about how, this is not my choice! I did not choose this! Well, fine. He did sound just like that, funnily enough. <laughs> did it? it sounds mm. like Basil Fawlty. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Malcolm in Oxford's dogs win the pet of the week for their appearance. So they're never going to interrupt that. Oh, Jeremy Corbyn's just walked past <laughs> and the dogs are kicking off. Um, There's another Perrier Award, I fear. Yeah. Tory dogs, obviously. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, Malcolm also wins the Perrier, and I bet he feels really embarrassed about this silly mistake. Mm. It's misspeak of the week. And the Liberal Democrats, especially that Layla Moran... Uh, Layla Moran. Yeah. Oh, I, bet, I bet he really regrets it. I that. think he does, yeah. Uh, uh, back to you, Mike. Mm. You are, of course, always making sure you have yourself backed up legally. Yes. Uh, here's your disclaimer of the week. Uh, the Prime Minister was on a hospital visit uh, in north-east London. He was confronted by a parent, and I use that word advisedly, even though he is a parent. <laughs> <laughs> I do use that word advisedly because he was being a rather unparent-like parent, I would say. No, Wouldn't I you? No, I don't care. You don't uh, care? No. <laughs> Cooler John. It's a shocking thing to say. Yeah, I know. Uh, Cooler John in Croydon uh, started off. Uh, his call winning the insult of the week. Let's talk to John, uh, who's in Croydon. He's got a social care story for us. Hi, John. Hi, Mike. Yeah. You and Mike Parry sound the same. No way. <laughs> he's yes, not even do. from. He's not from London, mate. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, he, he's a Welshman, really, isn't he? Well, he is. Yeah, he's got a completely yeah. different voice. Yeah. I'm happy anyway, to get your hearing tested. Very strange thing to say that. Mm, wow. I've never been accused of sounding like that bloke. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird one, but fair play. Yes. Uh, let's escalate this from insult to threat of the week. You win this one, Mike. Good. I'm an omnivore. I eat pretty much anything. Um, um, you yeah. know, if you and I were trapped on a desert island, I might eat you. So <laughs> <laughs> it's always possible. <laughs> um, Mike, you've also, however, won the people pleaser of the week for oh. even managing to do a favour for one of your Twitter trolls. Blocking you now, you're too ugly in mind and body for my timeline. Now, she has blocked me. Um, I would have probably muted her, quite frankly. I can take that kind of abuse, but it doesn't seem normal to me. No, it's not. But in the past, what we've done is we've rebroadcast them by reading their tweets out on radio or television, or we've rebroadcast them to our followers by quote tweeting them, and that's exactly what they want, frankly. Is that what they want? Yeah. I better stop doing it then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, thanks for the advice. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's go to breakfast. Uh, now, you'd think Julia Hartley Brewer would be good at names, having so many herself, mm. uh, but she did win the wrong namer of the week. Uh, yesterday, we had an extraordinary uh, situation. We had Sir John Major uh, and his uh, uh, lawyer, Sir John... Um, I'm trying to find his full name here. Sir John somebody, uh, he, who uh, basically... Uh, no, sorry, he's Sir John. Apologies. Via his lawyer. Sir John somebody. I wouldn't be surprised if there was somebody in that room yeah, I'm Sir John somebody, actually. It's like a Monty Python sketch, that room. Have you got bundle number 3043, <laughs> Sir John somebody? <laughs> and Easily finally, done. Yes. Uh, and finally, uh, on Monday, Alexis, enemy of the con man, Conran, sat in for Matthew Wright, joined by capable assistant presenter... Kevin O'Sullivan. Capable. Yes, very capable. Like damned with faint praise. <laughs> um, although TV Kev has won the Perrier for his wandering mind of the week, as when he was supposed to be deep into a conversation about the technicalities of Brexit, he seemed to be thinking about something else. If we are not able to offer Bre uh, Brussels... <laughs> Did you hear that? Brest. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the town again? in France, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No. Why would I need to know that? Well, because it's in Europe, the continent. Yeah. You, know, you <laughs> yeah, might want to go there one Is day. that where the duvet was invented? It is. Very well. You want to hear it again? Yeah, go on. 
if we are not able to offer Brussels... Uh, Brussels. <laughs> Most of the presenters on this station are able to offer those. Anyway, that's it for the burial well, It's more like sozzles, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Rather than Brussels. <laughs> yeah, sozzles. Thank you, Con. That's it, that's it. There will be more Marvelous. at the very same well time done. next week. Congratulations. The Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 